Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. When you love meat, you find a way to take it with you everywhere you go, especially when it comes to getting outdoors. That's why Smithfield has so many high-quality, delicious meats that are perfect for any outdoor adventure. Whether the park you're headed to is a national park or just the one down the street, like Smithfield marinated roasted garlic and cracked black pepper fresh pork tenderloin, expertly seasoned for on-the-go flavor, or prime fresh smoked ham that'll have you building on-the-go sandwiches packed with flavor. Smithfield Extra Meaty Back Ribs bring hand-selected perfection to the backyard, and Smithfield Anytime Favorites will help you take the ham you savor to the places you love. From diced ham that'll turn any picnic into an outdoor feast, to hickory smoked boneless ham steaks that are the perfect cap to any hike. The great outdoors just got greater with Smithfield. For the love of meat. live now a couple weeks off and we are well i guess it has been a couple weeks because we were gone traveling last yep. week and stuff we haven't actually recorded in about three weeks because we didn't we got, record yeah that week of so it's been a while but so we're what back. is this 15 of one or 15 14? of one or 16 of one i don't know something like something that. like that <laughs> baker's dozen and some change out of one that's right there we go. we're to the point where i'm kind of just starting to lose track so i'm okay with that <laughs> that's I'm all okay right too that, it <laughs> ran its course it did so uh it was a good couple weeks off though we had uh you know winter strong and we talked uh you know we'll, we'll briefly mention it here but we have another episode that we're going to do that kind of breaks that down a lot more yep. uh, that we'll do here probably next week i believe yep um but it was fun to just be down there and if anything else, hang out and shoot more arrows in a weekend than I have in five months. So it's yeah. a good time. Yeah. I think, uh, I think overall kind of what we discussed about it and you know, the way we're going to release the episode for it is good. I think that I'm happy with some of the natural, uh, so let's say speed bumps we had, you know, the rain, the weather, those are, yeah. those are just realistic, um, uh, encounters with nature and, especially when you have a company that's based around the outdoors, that's running an event outdoors, you, you just have to know that that's coming. And I think that for, for the people organizing and Sornex as a whole, we don't run from the idea of rain or weather or of any sort. Uh, we welcome it. But I do think that, you know, for the average attendee, um, you're thinking, man, this is one weekend out of the year that I am burning to go somewhere. So you want something. So I did hear a few like moans and groans about the weather, but, that's the outdoors. It's, it's not yep. always uh, pretty pictures on Instagram and yeah. hashtags, you know, it's, it's a lot of, uh, there's a lot more to it than that. And I think that we'll discuss that. And I think that yeah. winter strong was just a great event to get some people together. I felt like it was, I felt like people needed it. Um, I felt like mm -hmm. a lot of people been burned out over yeah. 2022. Seems like it was just a brutal year for a lot of people. So on that front, I don't think it could have been much better, but there are definitely like anything you can say there's high points, low points and yep. things to improve upon and things that you, you don't need to improve on necessarily. So we'll go through all of that, but man, it was a good time. I was very grateful to see some people, um, just, you know, it, it is winter strong mm -hmm. and that's, that's really all I can say about it. And the, the, the cool thing is, and Jen Rivett said it too on Saturday night, but it really is to, for, I guess for a lot of people there, a lot of the people there kind of treat it more like a family reunion of sorts. Sure. You know, yep. where it's just like, Hey, haven't seen you since this second week in February last year. Yeah. And so there's a lot of that, which, uh, if, if there was a positive from the weather being kind of crappy, it's, I think forced some more just catching up and interact. Like it was a little bit slower in yeah. that regard, uh, yep. which I thought was nice. Like I enjoyed those parts of it for that reason, where I was just got to have some more conversations with people 
that I haven't had in a long time. And just sitting down and talking and hanging out with you and mm-hmm. a handful of other guys was just fun in that regard. So, I mean, yeah. like you said, there were some things that like the weather kind of puts a damper on, but there were some things that actually like made it, made it okay. If, if there was going to be a positive taken away from crappy weather, you know? Yeah. You know, and I'm, I'm guilty of that too. I go to a lot of events, like I'll speak on one, John Bartolo, you know, I went to that event that he ran a couple years ago uh, for the UFC and, and got to meet some UFC fighters, got to hang out with Bo, got to hang out with the Volkortsen crew and, and just a great bunch of people. But that event from the, the moment I got into town, it was head to John's. We're going to podcast. I did not participate in that podcast. I just observed. Uh, there was more podcasts and then it was, we're going to go eat. We're going to go here. We're going to shoot guns. We're going to go this. So it was bang, yeah. bang, 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 bang. And that's a cool, that's a cool setup in a way that you're busy, you're motivated and you're, you're learning stuff. But every time I leave the text message chain is always, man, I wish we'd had more time. I wish we'd had more yeah. time. So on the heels of this, uh, I definitely agree with you that I got to spend more time just being a little bit more still and, yeah. and talking to people for longer sessions. Um, and, and dude, I just think that's one of the main benefits of something like winter strong is there's such a d- diverse group of people. There's so many unique personality types. You don't have to talk to everyone to get a good sense of that place. But if you can pick and choose who you do talk to and spend your time with and maybe meet a handful of new people, I think you're yeah. going to have an enriched experience. So I'm trying to do better at that myself. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, from the experience at Winterstrong where it was good, it was a uh, slower pace for me. So learning from that, realizing that maybe I don't need to do every single thing and maybe enjoy a handful more of those conversations in the mix. But, you know, I, I saw that, uh, you know, Winterstrong six is, is underway as far as the planning. So I'd, I'd have a few people ask me if it was going to be the last one, if there was going to be changes, it's way too early to say about changes, yeah. but I think as of right now, we'd be foolish not to have it. But again, yep. it's a business model and yep. 2022 proved that business is brutal and 2023 is, you know, we still don't know, but yeah, I, sure. I'm excited about the future of Sornex Outdoors. I'll say that. Um, there's some cool conversations happening. There's some personnel changes and, you know, some of that you hate to see, but some of it, you know, it's best for those people. And then other hand, you know, that because of that, I'm going to have different ask and, and you know, requirements for my job. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's good too. Like I love to work and I want to build something. So we'll see where it goes. I think it's going to be good. (laughs) Well, one of the cool things too, and like I said, we don't want to get too much into it because we're going to have a whole longer episode uh, in a week or so. But one of the things that I thought was cool, kind of speaking to the point that you made about having some more intimate moments kind of, and, and this was probably the biggest difference for me as compared to last year being my first year down there where, mm-hmm. like I, I told you before, where it was like, there was so much happening. Like I didn't really know what I wanted to go be a part of, or like, I was just trying, I was wandering a lot, like trying yeah. to just f- find somewhere to kind of sit in and fit in for a little bit to partake in as much as possible. And this year I was like, I don't, I don't necessarily have that, mindset where I'm trying to do every single thing. Yep. But like on on Friday afternoon, like I, I told you me and uh me and Corey Hawk and Rick Spicer and then Seth, uh the four of us literally walked the whole long version archery course. Yep. And it was it was literally like a way cooler version of walking 18 holes of golf. I mean the thing took us like probably we were out there probably walking for three, three and a half hours on mm-hmm. Friday afternoon, just the four of us. And I mean, the, the conversations that we had and the tips from those guys from shooting perspective. And it was like, that was probably one of my favorite parts of the whole weekend, just getting to hang out with those three guys doing something like that, where before I would have been like, I, this is too long. I'm spending in one place. I got to go try and do something else like to yeah. get, you know, my time's worth out of all this. But that was, I, I was way more involved in, in intentional about that kind of experience on Friday doing that, which was a blast. Yeah. Like that was then, you know, to be around couple of those guys like Corey who are just killers uh and just killer dudes yeah also like he's just awesome so it was it was a ton of fun for that yeah I, I was really I gotta say you know for anybody that's listening and questioning um you know your acumen with a recurve bow and I don't know that anybody's <laughs> questioning it but like just you know from a perspective of you can show anything you want and yeah. when you stepped up to the line man I was I was highly highly impressed 
with both you and Greg. I mean, just knowing that you're both, we all are relatively new to it. You, me, Greg, um, and and many others. One, I was very excited to see a lot more recurve bows at, at Sornex. Um, that was fun. You know, guys bringing their own kind of thing. Uh, you know, at one time, I think we saw nine pretty dedicated guys to recurve, you know, as far as having their own, bringing their own arrows and stuff like that. And, you know, that's just a selfish thing that's that's kind of cool to see but it was awesome man greg you know what i talked to him about his bow and his arrows and they're really unfortunately one of the things i've learned about traditional archery is there's not as much as much forgiveness in your equipment as there is for a compound uh speed overcompens or overcomes a lot of the failures and with something yep. like recurve as simple as the direction of your feathers can really impact so greg had those right helical which means they kind of yeah. angle to the right shooting off the shelf very very this is like in the minutiae of details but yeah for someone that doesn't understand shooting flat off the shelf means there's no there's no equipment or no space between the arrow and the bow so you're shooting straight off the riser and with the right hand helical it's actually going to leave the bow and turn into itself so it's going to have some some impact on the direction and flight well in spite of that greg's still shooting fairly accurately yeah, and he, was. He, he shot one of mine with a left helical and a little bit heavier. Um, both of those things can help a traditional archer more weight, uh, in the front and the correct helical mm-hmm. bullseye, like 12 ring the first shot. And I, I think he shot a couple <laughs> yeah. more that way too. So that's my next goal is to get Greg appropriate arrows. I know yours had a little bit more weight in the front, which is yep. actually what you're looking for. But Greg's was mil- built somewhat like a compound, uh, gotcha. kind of even distribution of weight instead of the the weight in the front. But again, not to beat a dead horse, but you guys were shooting and man, proud isn't the right word, but it's somewhere between like a high level of excitement that leads into I'm invested in your story. So, you know, whatever that is, if it is proud, if it is just happiness, like it's awesome to see people do something well when I know how freaking hard it is. And, uh, and, and, when people are watching, you know, that's the other thing yes, too. So, seriously. um, you know, I think it was just a, a good weekend for a multitude of reasons and we'll, t- we'll discuss all of that in that episode. Yeah. But I had mentioned to you even here that 2022 was a difficult year for a lot of people. You talk to a lot of guys, I get messages from a lot of guys. And one of the things that really kind of shook I don't know if it shocked me, but maybe shocking the volume in the last hmm. month, the number of guys like, and, and these are people that probably that follow us could look through the, through the list of friends that we have. And these are some of those people. And I'm definitely not trying to down them or out them. They're yeah. just messaging me saying, man, I am just burned out. Like I am done with it. I don't, and not like in a depressive suicidal way, but just like the right. game, the constant, like, the algorithms online or whatever it is like guys are just doing the most they can. And really guys that I believe are doing the most that they can are struggling. And I told you, uh, one of my favorite books, one of my favorite authors, um, Chuck Palahniuk and fight club. And one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this, uh, I've watched this movie numerous times. I've read the book at least seven times. And each time I, I get a little bit different look at it, and I've told you before, I believe it's a love story. And I think part of the equation that is making the most sense in reaction to these types of messages is that is the story of Fight Club, is that he was the guy, he went to work, he had the right clothing, he had the name brands, he had the apartment, and he was just still this, he he was looking, he was searching for something, so much to the point that through his, his insomnia, his dreams, his, his nightmares almost were the man. He wasn't the man that he wanted to become that he wasn't. Mm -hmm. And all throughout this, it's him fighting himself literally in every sense of the word. He is fighting himself, whether it was, I don't have the right clothes. I don't have the right apartment. I don't have the right things, even though he did Mm -hmm. onto imaginary fighting himself to fighting other men to finding what life is about by killing all of that literal figurative in the end of the movie. Um, he actually puts a gun in his mouth symbolically and somewhat not to kill the ego. 
And then throughout all that, there's this, there's been this character, this female character who always saw what was in this guy, who always believed in who he was and hung around through the dream state or the nightmare state of mm-hmm. Tyler Durden. But she fell in love with the narrator, which is the alter ego, the good guy, the, the guy that's lost. And the most powerful thing about the end of that movie or about the movie in whole is after he's killed the ego, she walks up to him and he's not hateful with her. He's not got disdain for her because she sees him as she's always seen him. She didn't walk up and say, Oh my God, like let's get you to a hospital. She's like your neck. What's wrong? He's like, you met me at a very strange time in my life. And I think there's a lot of guys that are in a very strange time in their lives. And at, after that moment, she grabs his hand, they turn around and they look at the world burning. Okay. The world is exploding around them, but they're holding hands. And to me, that is always signified. That is it. Like he set those bombs. He set the world to explode in motion. And I think for so many men, myself included, at times in my life, we are trying so hard that it is to our own destruction, that it is to the world around us exploding, bringing us back either to a woman or to our family or to ourselves. All of those three things are what I think most of us are looking for in actuality. Like we're trying to get to that point where uh, th- there's a freaking kid rock song, midnight train to Memphis. He says, mm-hmm. he's like uh, a wife and kids at home working a factory line. I bet you, I wish I had that life. And I, and he goes, I bet you wish you had mine. Mm-hmm. And I think that listening to people that, that have been all of these places that have had all the success I know these types of guys and they are missing things. They are missing that family or that certain someone or whatever it is. But I do think this is a very delicate blade to walk the edge of. And I wanted to talk to you because you deal with so many men in your men's groups. This movie really attacks from a masculine perspective. There's alcohol, there's fighting, there's drugs, there's sex, there's all of this stuff. And if you think about those things, they're to the extremes. You remember the yeah. scene with Marla when he comes out and he's like got the rubber gloves on and he's standing at the door. Obviously, that's a, not a loving situation. It's just him taking advantage of this female that's willing to bed with him. So long story short, we go through all these exaggerated, grandiose ideas of what masculinity is. And we do try to portray those. Like you hear it every single day on Instagram or on YouTube or whatever. If you're not up at 4.30, if you're not making a million dollars, if you're not starting your own business, if you're not doing this and this and this and this and this, this, who says? Who says? Like Mm -hmm. who is mandating that our lives be these this way? Um, And I don't have a retort for that. I don't have an answer all for that. I just know that for guys like me, uh, maybe people that I would say have certain principles, not better or worse, but just certain principles. Yeah. I don't need a million dollars to be happy. I'd like to pay my bills comfortably. I'd like to have money to go on vacation and go on some hunts. I do not need a million dollars to be happy. I do not need a brand name of clothing to be happy. I do not need a big house to be happy. I do not need a fast car and expensive truck to be happy. I am still looking for those corner pieces to the puzzle to fill in that total happiness of self. But my life has consistently gotten happier the more aware of the things that I truly care about and want and chase those and stop caring less about what the world tells me I should want. Mm -hmm. Is this something you see in your men's groups? And have I made any sense whatsoever? And what do you say when, when guys come to you struggling? Because more and more and more, it's not just guys that I could point to and be like, Oh, I can tell you their problems. I know why they're failing. It's guys that I thought were crushing it that are failing. So where do you go from there? Coach? It's a good question. And and yes, it does make sense what you were saying, first of all. So it was, I understood um, exactly. But I think a lot of what, um, when you, when you talk about it, it's the, the op, not, not necessarily the opposite, but it's the, the different version of what you assume is mm-hmm. happening from somebody who's, like you said, maybe looks like they've got it all put together. Right. But then there's all this stuff back here that they're choosing not to acknowledge, maybe, maybe publicly, maybe even privately. Yeah. They're choosing not to acknowledge some of this stuff too. And that's generally the, the starting point on it for me is there's this, there's this individual level of acknowledgement that Mm -hmm. has to happen. Uh, And, and, you know, we're talking about, I was just 
I found this uh, this snippet of a book, and and as you're saying it, because it reminded me exactly of kind of what you're talking about. But the book is called "It's Good to Be a Man." Okay, and and um, written by a pastor named uh, Michael Foster. Yeah. But he's got two a, hits a, against him. He has faith, and he likes men. So <laughs> right. he's going to hell. Got it. <laughs> so he has this, uh, you know, he has this really great snippet from it um, where he's talking about exercising he called you call it exercising dominion yeah. just taking essentially just taking control over these various aspects of your lives right and making it more of a an, an internal thing to begin with but the the snippet goes exercising dominion doesn't come with palaces and throne rooms it seldom even comes with heroics and often not even with very much fun it's mostly toil and grind mm-hmm. and there's this i think perception that if i'm in charge of everything and I'm like killing it. I have to look, it has to be like this big production almost. Yeah. Like I have to, you know, I, you know, I'm the best at doing this part of my life, whether it's my, my fitness thing, I'm, I'm like the Jocko thing, right? I'm, I'm the 430 guy. Like there's all these shareable via social media aspects to my life where most of the time you guys being in total control of all of these various aspects of their lives, it's not flashy for the most part. You know what I mean? It's got to be a lot of it is just going to be like what what Foster said. It's mostly just grinding and toiling. And that's not to it's not meant to be discouraging right. when he says that. Like, I, I think a lot of people would hear that. A lot of guys would hear that and be like, oh, well, that's that just means I'm going to be nose to the grind all the time. And there's no there's no reprieve from that. And it's just kind of depressing right. to a degree. You know what I mean? And so the the internal that self sort of acknowledgement because you do we do get a lot of these uh situations where guys will come in and i've always said that fitness and health and and that avenue is really just my vehicle for like development sure right because it goes far beyond just the the physical aspect of it but the physical aspect is usually like the lowest hanging fruit that we can start to get momentum built up with. Mm -hmm. Right. So maybe the whole, maybe everything's in shambles in your life, but you can sweat today. Yeah. Right. And like, and do one, you can do something for 20 minutes and get a good sweat on and, and do that, that first plus one moment. Yep. Right. And that after you stack enough of those, that, you know, if, if you want to call it discipline, momentum, there's all kinds of words we can use, but that will then bleed itself into other areas of life. And so whether that means now, hey, I, I, I realize now I need to get up a half an hour earlier if I'm going to make my workout um, and I'm, I'm getting better at holding myself to appointments now. Yeah. Right. So now I'm when I tell somebody I'm going to do something, I'm going to be somewhere later in the day. I'm now taking that part of my life more seriously where I'll, I will be there when I say I'm going to be there because I'm already doing that with myself when it comes to my training. Right. Yeah. You know, well, I think, I think I agree with that entirely because you know what, what I was thinking about and almost not ignoring you, but I was thinking about some of the people that I've talked to. I had one guy very honestly tell me he has not completed a task with a deadline in nearly three years. He's like, when I get up, I get up. Like I don't set an alarm. So I get up when I get up, I don't eat at a certain time. It's just like, Oh, I have some errands to run. Okay. I'm going to play my video games. I'm going to go run those errands. Oh wait, no, I'm going to do this now. And then I'm going to run. So it's like breakfast could have been at eight o'clock if he had gotten up, gotten out of bed, gone and done his errands, sits down and plays video games for two hours. Then it's like breakfast is just, Oh, I'm passing a McDonald's. So it's a convenience. And then lunch is like, Oh, it's at three o'clock because I happen to run out again. You know, so for someone who is literally starting with no discipline whatsoever, yeah. doesn't mean that you can't eke your way through the day or your life or whatever, right. but it is like, it is just so hap- haphazard and like a leaf blowing in the wind, nothing great. And I, I posted about this the other day. And again, a little side note, most of anything that I post as far as an idea, motivation or whatnot is something I'm thinking about for myself yeah. very, very much like you know, we cannot get through this life without a destination, without a focus, without a vision. It's just too competitive and too hard. You know, it's just too hard. I heard a guy speaking very interestingly about Instagram. He goes, you want to know why your viewers are not, not to me, but he was talking about a video. You want to know why your views are down? Your likes are down. He said, because this is a television show of everyone. So there is more competition 
people are spending big money to have one minute videos produced and edited. Um, there's more entertainment quote, not value, but entertainment, uh, online today than ever. So two guys sitting on a microphone talking about life and trying to figure it out themselves, maybe helping someone along the way is constantly competing with tits and ass, uh, pornography, whatever the, the rage of the day is in, in culture. So yeah, it is a very, very difficult thing for people to say, Oh, I, my life sucks. And somehow I can get to this point, but to your point, setting a goal for yourself to start something and finish it is such a huge feeling of, of progression. Like, and especially when you do it for yourself, for your body, like you said, 20 minutes, you can sweat at the end of that 20 minutes. It may be hell, but you will feel better. If you can do it two days in a row, you will feel better. If you can do that for two weeks in a a row, you will start to look better. So it's a very, very challenging thing to look at somebody who is paying their bills, getting through life, basically unhappy and telling them that you have to do more to feel more, to be more, to realize more when they're just getting by, like for some people, that's just enough. And that's one of the things that drives me insane. Do you, do you deal with that with your clients? Cause that was one of my biggest downfalls as a coach was when somebody said, I want to be the best. When I see their training videos or I see their, you know, Oh, well coach, I didn't make it to training because my immediate reply was, well, we're not working together anymore. You don't want it as much as you say you do. We're done. And that was my fault as a coach. But I also knew like, I'm not a motivator. Like I'm here to get you from where you are to where you want to be. And we just had a clear misunderstanding about where you want to be. So how do you go about convincing somebody that just getting through is not enough? Like when you've got somebody who thinks they want to do more, but they're unwilling to do more, what's your approach to that? That one is, man. And not to put you on the spot. It's tough. No, it's, it, it is tough. And that's one of the toughest parts about doing this job. Right. Because that's, that's the, that's everything that's Mm -hmm. everybody comes in and they have these, these big goals and big plans. And, And that's generally the first part too. I know we've talked about goal setting stuff in the past, but a lot of, a lot of guys that come in have very just kind of eh goals Mm -hmm. that don't really, that, that don't even move the needle for them internally enough to really want to pursue them. Right. Right. It's always just something that sounds nice or it's something that somebody else said they need to do. And like, it's kind of somebody else's goal for them. Right. So they'll come in. It's like, Hey, I want to lose 10 pounds. Like, okay. Yeah. Nice. Like we could do that in a week if you really wanted to, but it's not going to be very fun and it's not going to last. Right. You know, so we got to find these things that actually mean something to that person, Yeah. to that, to that guy, because if we start digging and, and it, it's always easier than most people think it is to get that level of, to get down to that level. Like it takes me, you know, and, and maybe this is because I'm 10 years into doing this already almost at this point. It's like, when I, I get there in two or three questions, mm-hmm. like, you know, just kind of like peeling one layer back a couple questions in and we've got to a point where I want to lose. Like my goal is I will lose like, 15 pounds by this date Mm -hmm. because I have a very specific, like I have that very intrinsic reason. Mm -hmm. And when they have those things, especially in their minds, it gets them like a little jazzed up for it. Right. And, but now they've also told me about it or they've told the group about it. Like they're, they're sharing this in the group with three or four other guys or more. It's like, I'm telling you all that this is what I'm going to be working towards. Mm -hmm. And so, now, if I don't do it, I'm not only letting myself down, I'm now accountable to all of you. And in a sense, I'm letting you down because that's the point of the group. It's like, hey, you said you were going to do this thing. Here's what you need to be doing every week to make this happen. And when we check in next week, if you haven't done any of that stuff, well, what's going on? Why? Right. And that not only comes from, and that's the nice part now about having a group model or just other, you know, it's not even about what I do. It's just having group. Like that's what I think is a really, a really high highly powerful point of having a group of men Mm -hmm. rather than just one person Yeah, is that added layer of accountability to now it's not just coming from me. Everybody else is like, Hey man, what's going on? How are you doing? Like I saw you, you only hit two of your training sessions last week. Yeah. uh, When you post about them, like, is everything okay? You know? And sometimes it's just as easy as that. Do you think that there are, 
and I ask this question kind of in a modern sense, if the Instagram did not exist, if the Instagram, what a freaking idiot. Yeah. If Instagram didn't <laughs> you sound exist, 100 when if you the Facebooks, <laughs> if the Facebooks didn't exist. Now, if these things, I guess I was going to say something else, but anyway, if Instagram, social media, Facebook, oh. whatever you want to parlay that as, if that did not exist, do you think there are those solely motivated individuals, you know, kind of like the recluse? Because, you know, I, I was even trying to think about that for myself. Even in the powerlifting gyms or gyms that I trained at when I was training fairly solo, basically a, a small friend group, if, if that, at the time. But I would see the same faces. I would see the same people. You somewhat know, oh, that guy squats around 500 pounds. That guy benches around mm -hmm. 400 um, even though we weren't training together, there was some sense of accountability. I can tell you very honestly, having my gym 40 feet away uh, and not recording everything, not doing daily posts and updates, there are many times that that monster creeps in. It's like, oh, you don't have to do it today. You don't have to do uh -huh. this today. And I don't have that, that accountability of always having a group or a bunch of friends around to talk about it with. And I certainly don't share everything that I, that I do. So I, I know how hard that conversation can be. And I would say out of a hundred times, 98, I'll win. But there are some times yeah. that I will just go down there. Now I've told you before too, in my past, I have literally sat in my garage after my injury and just been an emotional train wreck because I could not will myself to train. So yeah. I think that I'm just saying this, honestly, I think that most men, especially really humans involved in, in whatever category, man, woman, child, whatever, we do better as a social being. We do better when we totally. have other like-minded people around us. I, I just think that so many people are, and even myself included, like I am withdrawn heavily from the world around me in that most of my communication throughout a day is email, text, or phone. Yep. Um, I'm not sitting down face-to-face -face with 50 people. I'm probably talking to 150 people a day though, you know, in a, in a normal day, I probably see, you know, if I don't go to the, the gym or something, I may see six to eight people, you mm -hmm. know? So it's a, it's a weird world that we're coming into, especially if you and I are sitting here as guys that have kind of navigated life and understand that community ain't always numbers. Community yeah. is, is, is an actual thing. It's an actual investment in time. Do you think that in this modern world, something like what you're doing, men's groups are going to become more of a necessity? Or do you think that the totality of social media where we're connected more will start to outweigh the individual small group? I almost wish it wasn't a necessity. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Especially in the online sense. Sure. Right. Uh, because even though what I do is they're all online, right? Mm-hmm. I would prefer a local one sure. every time just for that being like, there's it, it's for the same reason. Like we talked about being all together a couple weeks ago, yeah. like there's oh, just yeah. a different layer of, of connectivity that you have with people when you're there with them. And, and I, and I actually think two or three guys locally for you that you meet up with, that you train with, or maybe that you just get coffee with that you're, that you're actually forming that bond with is something that I, and I've, I think I've probably told you before, maybe we said it on the podcast, but like I have seen and heard before that, you know, these guys that are like in their mid to late thirties, early forties that always rely back on or fall back to like the high school football days as like the best time. Uncle Rico's. Life. Yep. Uncle Rico's exactly. Yep. And, and the reason for that is that was the last time in their life that they had that sort of, camaraderie mm -hmm. like after that 99% of them never played a sport again yep you know and so they literally just went from I'm surrounded by all these all these brothers and all these guys that were all focused on the same goal together we're all moving towards this one thing and that builds like crazy bonds mm -hmm. best friends in your life most of the time right and then I go from that to I just work now right like and I'm I'm working next to guys, but you know, it's not, we're not doing something, to, you know, for the most part together, Yeah. you know? So, uh, to answer your question, I, I would prefer that it not be a necessity, but I think just 
with how much the social media aspect of this makes it easy for us to find those groups. And that's maybe the downside of it too. It's almost kind of lazy where it's like, there probably are some guys locally, mm-hmm. but it's easier for me to sit and scroll and find somebody that I can connect with that maybe is my, you know, a good match for me personality wise, or I want to sure. learn from them. And that's a good thing too. But like, there are more than likely still going to be a couple of guys that you could be with locally training partners, whatever. Right. Yeah. But this, this idea that the men's group thing, yes, it's important. And I, truly believe that otherwise I wouldn't be doing it. Mm. But having that, that brotherhood and that communication aspect of it, it's a bummer that it's as needed as much as it is. Yeah. Oh, well, I I think so too. And I mean, I was sitting here thinking about the gym, you know, and, and there's something, this is going to bring me again to a two sided kind of question here. So on the front end, you know, obviously I agree that jujitsu, some sort of martial art, some sort of training like that is very, very beneficial for many reasons. It it calibrates expectation. It also shows you that skill set is much more important than the ability to see red or whatever, kind of like the tiger (laughs) inside as Greg calls it, you know, um, it's something really, there's a powerful feeling humbly when you know you're a 250 pound man 240 pound man known for your strength uh recognized as being strong to this day and someone like adam who's 160 170 pounds can just destroy me or someone like linda mccalic who is a female fighter at our gym who's 123 pounds can make me look like an idiot um i think more men need to know that i think more men need to understand that just because you have brawn you do not have skill just because you have brains does not mean you have wisdom. I think we need to start understanding that we are fallible. We are human. We're not 10 feet tall and bulletproof and step back from the idea of who we are a little bit more and immerse more Mm -hmm. in the reality of who we are. Yeah. But all of that said, I think we are in a magnetic pull of Joe Rogan to some degree. Um, we have guys that are cooking more meat. We have guys that are training. We have guys that are doing jujitsu. We have guys that are doing all these things. And it's not just Joe that's talking about them. It's a, it's a multitude of people, but it brings me back to a book that I read called blitzed. And it's, um, it's about methamphetamine, cocaine, and widespread drug use in Germany, Hmm. post-World War One, during World War Two. Uh, it was a, it was a methamphetamine called Pervitin and they were sending 30 million tablets to the front line every month or something like that. I don't, I don't, I'm exaggerating the number there, but it was millions per month. Yeah. And it worried me, you know, I've read this book before and I was listening to it recently and it really worried me now because we are starting to see the flow of legalization of marijuana and cocaine and methamphetamine. And some of these States are, are going deep dive into this stuff. Now, on the contrary, I've read Dr. Carl Hart's research about controlled, um, somewhat considered, quote unquote, safe, monitored, doctor understood or doctor regulated drug use, and it's improving people's lives. I can hear that argument. Left to our own laurels, you start to see that German experiment. So, in a country that we recognize has an obesity epidemic, somewhat tied to what I would call a lazy epidemic. Mm -hmm. We are seeing that there are 7 million men, 24 to 45, who are capable body, had previous employment, are not going back to work. So in a country where we are losing ground on stability of self, adding narcotics, adding marijuana, adding alcohol into that fold, and listen, I... I am drinking a one shot of Weller right now at 11 a.m. on a Wednesday. I only did so just out of celebration for us coming back to this show. And I, it's it's been here and it will probably finish after the episode. So it's not like I'm mm-hmm. pounding this. I do enjoy alcohol uh, from time to time. I do enjoy marijuana. And I have dabbled into other substances that I no longer partake in. My question, my honest self-evaluation I am not at my best when I am drinking. I am not at my best when I am smoking heavily. So in a country where we know that the majority of people are not making appropriate choices for self, when we add something like this into the mix, 
how can we possibly hope that it becomes better? Now, this is someone from someone who I believe as an adult, you should be able to do anything and everything that you want to do so long as you don't harm someone else. If you want to go out here and play stupid human tricks and kill yourself, go have at it. Like, I am not going to feel sorry for you if you're an idiot. But do we have the ability to control ourselves mm-hmm. when faced with the ability of no oversight? And that is what is worrisome to me as a country where we have lost ground on that front, self-accountability, self-reality, self-progression. We have a million people talking about it, but a lot of these people talking about it have broken pieces of the puzzle. A lot of these people talking about it are only good at making money, only good at marketing, only good at looking good, only good at having a perfect body, only good at presentation. When in reality, behind closed doors, it's why it's why it's not surprising to me when you see domestic disputes in Hollywood. When it's not surprising when you see these affairs in Hollywood, it's not surprising to me that the the housewives of real wherever is just a reality of the housewives wherever. Money doesn't make you happy. Success does not make you happy. It is those intrinsic things. So, in a country of people that maybe have lost some of that intrinsic value for ourselves, for the things that we do, for the things that we can become. And now we have the escape of video games. We have the escape of social media. We have the escape of AI. We have all these things compounding to where our reality is not only diminished, but shifted completely. Can you imagine being on cocaine or methamphetamine or some sort of illicit drug in an AI reality? I mean, so it's alternate reality bred with alternate reality it's it is not a question i'm sitting here banging the drum like hey we can't have legalization of these things but it is a question to me of where are the people's lines in the sand going to be of this is too much this is going to impact my self-control this is going to impact my life negatively where are we going with all this and i know these are these are big blue and blue sky you know no idea reality but i think as two men that are trying to navigate this life one, I have to be aware for myself. What are my lines yeah. in the sand? And I also yep. need to know, like, where do the lines go in the sand for me based on what other people's actions are? Like, how safe is it going to be to get in a car and drive when you know that somebody could potentially be on cocaine or methamphetamine or whatever it is? Mm-hmm. But that's a big, big problem that all goes back to self-discipline, you know? And I don't yeah. know that weakening a person's ability to cognitively think is going to improve self-discipline. I just don't see it. Well, and we see too that when when you mentioned like, can we in this in this area where we're so many people are lacking the self control, mm-hmm. and then you're talking about if we introduce these things into a population that can't control itself, I would almost say doesn't want to. Well, right? like, that's, and that's and that's more what it's been even in the more recent in the in the most recency version of this. Right. Is Mm -hmm. it's not that they, and I believe it's not that they can't, it's that they don't want to. Yeah. Right. And so it's the, you know, the, the example that's used ever since the movie came out is like, they're, they're the Wally people. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like they, it's the creature comforts that will end up killing Mm -hmm. everything. You know, it's, it's this idea that, the, and, and I've actually heard this analogy given before um, because there's all this stuff happening globally right now. And, you know, you look on Twitter and World War Three is trending every day now. Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, and and everybody has this idea of what that's going to look like. Right. But what a lot of people necessarily don't understand is I don't know that the goal is and I could be wrong. I could be 100 percent wrong about this. I don't know if the goal is like where everybody's just looking for the moment that they can launch all the missiles. Right. Because that defeats the purpose of what they're trying to get out of it. Right. Right. But what a lot of people think it's going to look like, isn't what it actually will look like. It's actually going to look more like something more closely related. I would imagine to how China like operates where they still have all their phones. Mm -hmm. Like they still have their ability to like go do things, but there's, there's also these, these freedoms that they absolutely do not have anymore, but they're given the fun things Yeah. to, to distract, but not, not, maybe not even to distract, but just to kind of pacify, pacify. Yeah, exactly. And so when you, when you start make like all of these exorbitant creature, I keep using that word creature comforts. Mm-hmm. Like that's really what it is. It's, it's just to 
make people docile. Yeah. Essentially. I don't remember. And who, that's what ends up happening. I don't remember who said it. Uh, I'll have to find the quote, but it was a really good one. It said, all you have to do is to destroy a country is, uh, get its people drunk and let them have sex, you know? And it's like, it, it really does boil down through history. It's those two things. It's when the Romans became so engulfed in, in wine and drink and all this other stuff and the orgies and the habituation of hedonism over there. I mean, again, I'm not telling somebody to not go out here and enjoy their life, not go out here and experiment and do things like that is not who I am. And that is not who I will ever be. But I think at some point in a person's life, you have to start understanding that we'll call it testing. Testing your life has to become living your life. And I think that early eight, you know, early mid teens to early twenties, even into your early thirties, you're still figuring out a lot of this stuff. As I turn to 40, like the stuff that it was acceptable for me at 20 is like, you're a piece of shit. Like you, you just cannot be that person. You cannot do those things. That is completely juvenile behavior. So, but somebody, maybe myself, maybe the influence around me, maybe my parents, I don't know, but somewhere along the way, I got tired of that stuff. I got tired of myself. I got tired of seeing my friends fall victim to it. And that's anything that's, that's gambling. That's going out and drinking that's going out and drugging that's going out and fucking that's going out and doing whatever like whatever it is if it is controlling your life and detrimental to your life at some point you have to be an adult about it take ownership that's why i don't buy cookies you know if i buy if i buy cookie after cookie after cookie i'm going to eat cookie after cookie um and i think it's just what we expose ourselves to but then also what we become accustomed to like we don't know that we can get out of those vicious cycles we don't know that we can improve ourselves That is what has been on my mind the most the last little bit is, one, how do people get to a place where they make these repetitive bad decisions? What enables them and what allows them to keep making them? Like, I just don't know. Like, I just don't understand, even though I do it myself. Like, I I still have faults that I wrestle with and demons that I wrestle with. So in trying to ask you for free coaching advice, life advice, I'm trying to figure these things out too. So I understand and empathize how difficult it can be for someone who feels lost and trapped. I just don't know that in the storyboard of wake up at 4.30 a.m., go to your whiteboard, make a plan for the day, win your business, uh, live in a mansion, drive your car. Where the fuck are the people saying love your family, love your wife, love your kids? Where is that in the process? And I'm not saying that that is the answer be all end all, but I am saying exactly what you said. I almost would. But, but again, to, to make your point and to agree with yeah. you, when you are accountable to your family or to a spouse or to a child, that starts preventing and limiting some of those behaviors. Yeah. You know, so I do think it might be absolution of self to understand that it is a yin and a yang existence. As much as we are, we still need others to assist. And that yeah. is from an accountability standpoint, that is from a happiness standpoint, that is from a fulfillment standpoint, fulfillment standpoint. Yeah. And I don't think that the lone wolf, the lions over sheep bullshit is ever going to be the answer. Because if you look at those people, Sean Whalen, for one, has been proven a criminal. And this is a yeah. guy that motivated people to love the United States, to wear American made. And it's just one of those guys that's proven in the media. I don't know if that's libel, slander, whatever. It's out there. Like one Google away and you're going to read exactly everything I said. But it's those types of people that are in leadership roles influencing people. Where are the influencers that are saying, man, I make a six-figure income. I own my own business. I support my family. I love the shit out of my wife and I raise my kids. Like where is that as influence? we see the kids and the family in the background, but they're by the pool or they're riding around in the SUV. They're not necessarily a part of the process because somewhere along the way, most men need a woman to step up and support them in their endeavor to be right by their side, to give them that feedback of honesty of like, this is a good call. Maybe this isn't a good call. You're not going to get that in a bar talking to somebody who's just trying to, you're just trying to score with, like, you're not going to get that depth. You're not going to get that support. You're not going to get that feedback. That's why a relationship to me has become such an important idea for people to grasp onto, because without that accountability, 
like you are just an untethered ship in the ocean. You are mm-hmm. aimless. And I think that having those things, you have to pay bills. You have to come home. You have to be there and do those things and support those things and build those things. And through that, you get to become the man that you're supposed to be because you do your job, you hold your word on and on and on. I think in a society where we devalue the family, we devalue the singular relationship, we devalue the children. We start to devalue ourselves because that is our highest purpose as a man. I believe Uh, that is absolutely God was talking to me through the, just saying, I don't even know where that came from, but it was coming. (laughs) But, um, I just, I sense it more and more that a lot of the men that I talk to, whether they're either in a marriage that is lost its spark and they're not trying anymore and they're already back outside doing the things that they shouldn't be, Mm -hmm. or they've never found that. And, and talking about the men's that are struggling. On the other yeah. side of that, I talk to guys like you, or I talk to guys like Logan, or, you know, there's, there's a handful of guys that I can point to that are doing it that way that have adopted that idea that no, my family is bigger than I am. My family's success is bigger than my own. My children are more important than I am. And buddy, those are all things that I have struggled with mm-hmm. very, very like in my entire yeah. life, I have struggled with being a selfish, narcissistic asshole. And my injury was the beginning of a lot of that because I thought I was 10 feet tall and bulletproof. I thought the fact that I could lift big weights didn't mean that it didn't matter that I was a turd as a human, like all of these things. And that's what we're doing. That's why I am so adamantly aware of it because I was empowered by people that profited off of my back that fucking tuck tail and run when I got hurt. And in the wake of all that, I was just a person who was along for the ride. You know, I was the person, I was the Clydesdale in the field. And when I wasn't any good, they took me out back and shot me. And that's kind of how I felt in that sense. But I stopped focusing on the things that I once believed in because everybody said, man, you can do this. You're the man, you're the man, you're the man. And for somebody who's trying to figure that out and become their own version of a man, you can sure become the wrong version of a man too, if you believe the wrong people. So that's what I'm kind of coming at it from is, don't necessarily run and jump on these people's train because they tell you really sit down and decide what you want, what matters to you, what would be proud of that quote I've been talking about for three weeks now, be so great that it would blow your ancestors' minds. You know, like what, what would that be in a modern age? Is that money or is it carrying on their name? Like it's, it's such a confusing thing for me to try to break down. But as I've gotten older, as I've examined my life, it is those things. A man needs a partner that believes in him, supports him, and encourages him. He also needs that as a purpose to get out of bed and feel like I have to win this person every day. Not that they're leaving, not that it's a competition, but I have to get up and be worthy of this person every day. I have to be worthy of fatherhood for this woman's children. I have to be worthy of my children's, uh, you know, the way that they look at me, the way that they respect me, the way that they love me. I have to earn those things. So a man that goes out and he earns those things through his people, earns a living to take care of those people, pretty hard to feel bad about yourself if you're doing those things, right? So I think that some of the singular versus the the family, I I, I don't want to just call it family because it's bigger than that Mm -hmm. because it's friends too. But man, this lone wolf mentality, I think is where people really burn out. The, and I a hundred percent agree with you because first of all, that entire premise is a false premise anyways. Mm. Like there's, there's no, there's no scenario where somebody literally does everything on their own. Self-made. It, it's impossible. T-800 like, Terminator. <laughs> it's impossible. There's, there's always going to be somebody that opened a door mm-hmm. or, or you had a conversation with. Right. Whether or not you, you know, because it's and it's even easier when the only thing you need to be, quote unquote, successful monetarily in a lot of ways or status wise is this for sure. Right. Like all I need is is this phone to do to 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 have more wealth Mm -hmm. than any any version of my family in history. Yeah. Right. Oh, for sure. So have. And having and having this be the thing that all that's all I need that that traps you into thinking I'm the only one that is doing any of this. Yeah, like it's just me that's doing this posting or whatever, or that's writing this article or, or putting out these videos. So obviously, I'm the one that's I, I'm self made. I did this all on my own. Right. And instead of 
even even one layer of thinking into this that pretty easily you could find it. I uh, probably need two hands to count the people that did something along the way Mm -hmm. to open a door for you right here, whether that is uh, sharing something of yours, right. Or, or introducing you to somebody. I mean, like there's no need to really get into too much of the nuance of it because the whole premise of the lone wolf thing, it doesn't even make sense anyways. It's just something that people like to, bring on themselves as a title to make it seem like they're the reason that everything is that they're successful. But why do men want that? Like, why did I, why did I relish that? Why do men want that? Like we're not Kings. We're not, Yeah. you know, but it's like, we're, it's like we're happy meal toys. You know what I mean? It's like we're, we look like the thing that you want as far as like all the, all the trophies and accolades and stuff, but it's really just this little piece of shit toy that goes along along with the rest of it. Like it's not the purpose of the meal. You get the toy as a bonus and that's what it is. Like we are, we are almost juxtaposition of that is we want to present ourselves as the toy. We don't want the meal. We don't want everything else that it's actually supposed to be. And uh, I, I think that's, that's problematic because, you know, to, to use one of the internet references, you know, a lot of people end up looking like clowns, you know, we end up looking foolish in our attempts of, I mean, it just goes on and on and on. I saw a guy the other day, guy that promotes himself as like big money guy, always got big stacks of cash and everything. And he had this popcorn ceiling, like, you know, it was finished out. Somebody called him out. He's like, bro, your, your apartment rents 400 a month. Stop acting like he got money. (laughs) And his reply back was, well, that's why I got money because my apartment's $400 a month. But the fact of the matter is, it's like, obviously somebody called him out because he's driving a fancy car, he's wearing fancy clothes, always showing off cash, but he's got a $400 apartment. So is that actually like success? Is it actually what yeah. we, what what you would consider success to be? Like, do you look the part and you live in squalor or do you live in squalor so that you can have, I don't, I don't know. I just don't know where yeah. people are going with this image thing. But I was thinking about this the other day. And, and it, it really is a lot like Vegas or Hollywood, right? When you go to Vegas, a lot of these places, they look amazing. But when you go up and touch them, they're like, oh, this is like particle board or this is like brittle and it breaks when Cheap. I touch it. It's supposed to be marble and it's like plaster painted, Yeah, you know? And I think that's, that's what a lot of people are, but that's the society we've become. We've literally built an entire sin city around the fact that as long as it looks like what you think it is, it's yeah. okay. And somewhat back to that stupid thing I put in my story about the uh, empty bottle on a hiking trail is litter. But if you find one that's full, it's a gift. And it really does go back to the contents are more important than the container. And I think this society has emphasized looks and performance and perception, perception to the point that it doesn't matter if it's soulless or empty. As long as it yeah. looks good enough to make me look better for a little bit, then I'll take it. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. just it. Well, and you see that with anytime there's a, anytime there's a scandal mm-hmm. of sorts in any kind of company, whether it's massive billion, multi-billion dollar company or something like what we were just mentioning a few minutes ago with Waylon, right? The perception of it is totally different than what it actually was. Yeah. The reality of him right? is much worse than what the, the news will tell you. I can tell you but, that. <laughs> well, and, the, and the point is too, like that, that in that instance specifically, that ended up working out pretty well for him business wise. Yeah. Because he flipped the perception around that he was in the wrong or that he, that he was wronged, yeah. excuse me, in that whole scenario and posted a week later that he like tripled his monthly revenue and shirt sales because of everything, all the attention he was getting about defrauding people yeah. essentially. Yeah. Right. So the, per, the perception and then what actually goes on and you see this anytime, like, and, and then recently, like, I'm just thinking of some, some big examples, but like the like in the NFL, mm. anytime there's any kind of scandal in the NFL, it's never like what the actual thing was and how do we handle this? It's how, what does it look like yeah. to everybody else that's watching? Yeah. Right. If we can make it look better or that it's, it's never, they're never concerned about what actually happened. They're concerned about how bad it makes them look. Spin doctors, baby. You know, exactly. that's, it's all of exactly. it. It's, yeah, I, I just think it lends itself to, we have to evaluate ourselves. We have to clearly define the things that we want in this life that we would, mm-hmm. that would truly make us happy because I, I have done it and I see people do it all the time. 
they think that if they have the things that other people have that appear happy, that they'll be happy too. And it just doesn't happen. It's a, I think happiness is much smaller than we, than we actually think it's not. I mean, and I, I take that stance on talking to old people before they die. You know, you talk to somebody who has all the money in the world and it's like, I wish I had more time with my family and friends. It's almost universal. I wish I had more time with my family and friends. And it's like, this is a person in many cases, like, uh, one of the Ferrari, uh, founders, uh, Enzo Ferrari, I think was one as well, but it was another board member, I think early on, but he said, I've driven the fastest cars. I've laid the fastest women and I've driven the fastest boats. And I wish I'd have just slowed down, you know? And it was like, how cool was that? You know? And, And I, I don't know why this is weighing on me so much right now, all of it, but I guess it's probably because I'm 40 years old and I still am looking to live a pretty full, happy life. And I know at many turns, any of the unhappiness, any of the hardship, any of the struggle was my own doing. It was my own inability to get out of my own way. So I've got probably a little less half time to go than I've spent. But I do believe that every day is an opportunity for greatness, as in I can make every single day meaningful and beautiful without having to be anything overwhelmingly impactful, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. gets back to the three things that I do every day, five things that I think about yesterday that only helped someone else that were minor encounters, held a door for someone, gave an old lady my cart, you know, maybe helped her unload her groceries or said hello to a total stranger, whatever it is. I have to learn something and I have to help a total stranger in some way that they cannot repay me. Those three things, if you give gratitude for five things the day before on a minuscule scale, you learn something and you help a stranger with no chance of repayment. It's a pretty good footwork for a good day. And that's what I've been doing the last four and a half years, really kind of around the time that, um, the plus one started, that was the first impetus of that was making other people and other things more important than myself. And then the plus one started to take hold. Well, and you, and you talk about in this example, those three things, are nothing that would be share worthy. No, not at all. You know what I mean? And so when you're, when you're talking about happiness being a little bit smaller than you think, like the, the daily monotony, Mm -hmm. but doing it really well, I think that is what compounds over time and makes things worth it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't have to be, or in, in, I would almost say, shouldn't be something that needs to be shared. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm going to do the handful of things that I do and do them really freaking well every day and do them for the people that I care about. And that's enough. Yeah. You know, like that's the, the ultimate issue. I think if we're distilling everything down to why a lot of this virtual relationship virtual communication stuff kind of falls apart is we're told that we need to be doing big things all the time Mm -hmm. rather than like what we've said 10 minutes ago, like just be a good dad. Yeah. Love people in your home. Mm -hmm. Like do that because when you think about it, what, what is more important than, than raising the next handful of good people, Mm -hmm. you know, for sure. Like, that's there's I don't, man, no, I don't think there's anything else. You know well, I mean? there's not. And I think too, the sad reality, you know, if I look at myself, I think I have probably impacted my son in many ways, but I do think that my impact, I might have more impact on a stranger through a device because of the, the, the motivational quotes spliced together in a YouTube video. Yeah. Then the slow drip my son gets, you know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. you can, you can juice five minutes of motivation of Brandon Lily screaming at a barbell <laughs> down your throat every day, or it can be the slow drip of, you know, Hey kid, go clean your room or yep. do this or do that. You know, it's, it's a difficult thing because for someone like yourself or me, you have to tiptoe into this arena a little bit, or just because of the way that the world works, we're here. Um, and man, the lucrative 
the lucrative aspect of it is to do more on here, to spend more time on here, to get more sponsors on here, to get more awareness on here, because that just means dollars. Yeah. There's not always a dollar attached to being a good dad. There's not always a dollar attached Mm -hmm. to doing the right thing. There's not always a dollar attached to saying no when yes would feel better than no. You know what I mean? And I think that Mm -hmm. if I can do that for myself, that will do more for my life than any motivation. So yeah. Happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good place to cut it. Nah, we got I, another one that we're going to do this week. Yep. Uh, we'll we catch got two up. this week. We'll take a, we'll take a different angle on things in the next one because there's a lot of music stuff I want to go over. Well, that's what we do. Touch on. We have that's no, we, do. we have no rules. We're just living it. You know? We do. What self-made. We we're do. self-made Ross. <laughs> we're self-made. This is our self-made <laughs> shit. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank Thank you you all. all for listening. Appreciate it.